When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Tactical Yanks podcast, your podcast for soccer in America and around the world. I'm your co-host, Pete Douthit, and I am joined by my fellow co-host, Filippo Silva, and welcome to the Tactical Yanks podcast. Hopefully you enjoy. We'll be talking about U.S. soccer, European soccer, South American soccer, the World Cup, and much more. Hello, hello, and welcome to the Tactical Yanks podcast. I am your co-host today, Filippo Silva, and I am joined here by Pete. How are you doing today, Pete? I'm doing good, man. I'm excited. Every week that we record, we get one week closer to the World Cup. So the excitement is just building. Yeah. What is it now? We're roughly two months, well, two months roughly from the call-up which is when the World Cup starts, essentially, right when the roster comes out. All the well, the date, I think, is November 10th, so about two and a half months now. Yeah, before we even start the episode that, that you mentioned, the World Cup right there, one thing that is bothering me a little bit about this World Cup is the preparation period is going to be much shorter than normal, right? They're going to get roughly yeah. seven to nine days each national team because I believe they get called up around the 9th or the 10th, and the deadline is the 14th. So a lot yeah. of the players are going to join around the 12th, 13th and the world cup starts in the 20th while back in the day well by back in the day i mean not so long ago every uh, other have, world cup <laughs> yeah what was it like two three weeks they have two three weeks of preparation. yeah sometimes it was a full month because they would play like three friendlies there would be tours of your own country because mm-hmm. it would usually start in late may uh or early june rather and then so about three weeks from the end of the season at least Yeah, I remember they would always have like two like big friendlies to lead up to the World Cup, but we are definitely not going to get that for the. We'll get lucky if we get like one preparation game. Um, I don't think there's going to be any preparation games. Yeah, thank you FIFA, thank you Qatar. Um, I know it's crazy, but anyhow, it's still going to be the World Cup. It's going to be fun. It's going to be awesome, and the United States is back. And there's a lot of legends retiring in the World Cup. We'll talk about that maybe later in the podcast because we will talk about legends today. Yes, we, we have a legends, a legend segment. Oh, yeah. So today we're going to talk about, first we start with our classic U.S. men's national team abroad talk. We're going to talk about a few specific players uh, being more direct towards what we're going to talk about. We're going to talk about Tim Ream, Joe Scali, Serginho Dest, and quickly an update on Pulisic. And then we will do, me and Pete will talk about our top five players of all time. And And again, it's more of, I think it's more of like, our top 10 based on our just straight up opinion, because there's no way to really determine the best player of all time. Especially because different eras mean different things, right? The the game has gotten better over time in some ways, more, you know, sports science, more nutrition, more fitness levels, more tactically evolved. Um, You know, players nowadays are a lot more focused on, on different things, but you're right. It's hard to say, but we can get into that later. Yeah, when we talk about the players, we'll put the context because at the end of the day, it's more about comparing the best players of each era and just kind of like making up your own stuff of like where you think if he's the best or not, because it doesn't really it doesn't really make sense to pick the best of all time. But we don't care. We wanted to do this today because it's 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 a fun bar talk, right? If you're a soccer fan and you're friends in a bar, you just yeah. start arguing which player you think is the best of all time. And it just goes on for a while. And let's see for how long we're going to go here if we're even going to debate it. But Pete. Let's start with this one here, the elephant in the room here. Tim Ream. Tim Ream. Tim Ream. Okay, so I'm going to get your opinion on it. Before I get your opinion, I just want to fill everyone in with the context of this. Tim Ream is currently the captain and starting for Fulham in the Premier League. He is playing fine, to be quite honest, right? I have not much credit. Not perfect, but playing well in the Premier League against tough opponents. And last season, he was already... One of the best center backs in the English championship, which is a very competitive league. Fulham dominated the league and he played every single game, if I'm not mistaken, was the captain of Fulham and was fantastic. But 
again, no one was calling for Tim Ream in the national team last season. And I do understand that now he's facing tougher competition in a smaller sample size because we just started the Premier League season. But the thing with Tim Ream is he's the same player or maybe a little worse than the one we didn't want in the national team over a year ago, right? Yeah. Uh, I still think he's a great center back, but the way the United States plays doesn't suit him uh, because of the issues he has. It doesn't really play to his strengths and exposes him, and that's what I wanted to talk about here. Do you want Tim Ream in the national team? I I understand you're probably going to say over long. Sure, probably. I would probably say yes, but do you want Tim Ream back in the national team? Yes, with context. And context is important to this discussion. If we played a back three with a mid block or a low block, then I would be fine with Tim Reams because Tim Ream, because he's naturally left-footed. He's probably fine in a back three, so long as he's not exposed. The problem with Tim Ream is the same problem that John Brooks has. He's slow, right? If you play a two-man high line, you're going to get exposed, especially with fullbacks pushing up the field, right? And if you look at Fulham's fullbacks, they do get up the field, but not as much as Greg Berhalter wants his fullbacks to basically play as wingers. So if you're playing with a back two in a high line and no cover from your fullbacks, Tim Ream could get exposed very, very quickly. He's just not the quickest. If we were to use Tim Ream in certain scenarios, in certain contexts, then I think he's worth having. Left-footed, very good passer of the ball, reads the game well, experienced, but that's not how Greg's going to play. So if you're asking me now, based on how we know Greg is going to play, do you want Tim Ream there? Then my answer is no. But if yeah, you're saying that, it's a flexible, then yes, I think he deserves at least another look in September. I agree entirely with that. That's what I also was trying to say on Twitter. It's based on how Greg has been playing and how we think he's going to play and how he said he wants to play. It will expose Tim Ream. It'll be a problem. Now, is Aaron Long a problem? Yeah, I'm not saying bring Aaron Long and not Tim Ream. I'm not saying anything about Aaron Long. I don't want Aaron Long there either. I don't want because a lot of the answers I get are like that. I said, I don't think Tim Ream should be in the roster. And then a lot of the replies are, he's better than Long. We need him over Long. It's like, guys, guys, there's other center backs that I can mention here that I would put ahead of him right now for how Greg wants to play. Chris Richards, obviously. Cameron Carter-Vickers. Honestly, Palmer Brown is an option. Uh, I wouldn't put yet James Sands. I do want to see a bit more, but I did like what I seen from James Sands with Rangers against PSV. So far, he's looking much better. Uh, we obviously have to include Walker Zimmerman mostly because of U.S. men's national team performances, right? I don't think he's been very good for Nashville this season. But again, the discussion is not Ream over Long. Long shouldn't be there regardless of Tim Ream. Here's a more interesting comparison. Would you rather have Tim Ream or Reggie Cannon? Because think about it. Reggie Cannon is only there to play as a center back if we play a back three. And that's really the only scenario where I would play Tim Ream too. So would you rather have Tim Ream or Reggie Cannon? Tim Ream. Same. Mm -hmm. If we're going to play a back three, which Greg already has kind of hinted he's going to go with a back three against England. If you're telling me that, my only concern with that is, again, you have to consider the strengths of the other team. And England's uh, strengths are in wide areas, right? They have very good wingers. Guys like Jaden Sancho, Phil Foden, Jack Grealish, you know, not Marcus Rashford, but even Raheem Sterling can be a a big threat wide. So the problem with that is, essentially, if you're playing with a back three, you have to play as a false fullback. When they switch the ball to that left-hand side, the back three is going to shift over, and I'm worried Tim Ream could still get burned in a back three. So yeah. it is a, a point of concern. It's The concern of Tim Ream is that well, you can't leave him in situations where he's in isolation. Then you'll have problems, especially with pacey wingers. Yeah. Uh, on the ball, I mean, he's Diego great. Lina has already exposed him. Yeah, and I know people are going to go, but he held his own against Mo Salah. Well, different case, right? They're playing a low block against Liverpool. It's a bit different. Also, Mo Salah does pinch inside quite a bit. Um, Liverpool doesn't use width as much. That's what we're trying to say. Uh, again, it's it's a topic that, sure, depending on the options we have, having Tim Ream as maybe a fifth center back in the roster to maybe play a back three, uh, even though we have other players playing a back three, James Sands is very good on a back three. Eric Palmer Brown has been playing on a back three for two seasons almost. Sure, Cameron I'm Carter get... Vickers. Yeah, another one that plays back can play the back three. So again, uh, I don't think Tim Ream should be in the roster unless it's a very specific situation and Greg changes his style against certain teams. Which, to be on, to be honest. He probably should change his style against certain teams, right? He can't play the same way he plays Panama 
in the no. place Panama and Concap in, in Orlando, and then he goes and faces England the exact same way, you can run into trouble. So we'll see. Um, for me, that's my opinion on it too, the same as yours for Tim Ream. If you were bringing five center backs to Qatar, and let's say John Brooks is not an option because he doesn't even have a club right now, mm-hmm. what five center backs are you bringing? And then I'll give mine. Okay, so I'll go. Uh, I'm going to put Walker Zimmerman again. I don't think he's playing well for the club itself, but I think what he did in World Cup qualifying in terms of national team performance gave him that extra life in this cycle. Probably not for the next cycle, but for this World Cup, he's earned it. Uh, that's one. Walker, Chris Richards, no doubt about it. I know he struggled against Manchester City, but he was playing as a left back, and it's Manchester yeah. City, so it's Man City. still adjusting, not a problem. Came into the game, a very high game that Manchester City was down. So Chris Richards, Walker Zimmerman, I would bring Cameron Carter-Vickers. I think he has to be there. Been very good for Celtics. He's going to play in the Champions League. Is a good center back. I would bring also Palmer Brown, playing at the highest level there in France. Great competition and probably the best center back for Trot right now. Uh, yeah. And, th- and then you said five. So it's essentially what James Sands, Aaron Long, and Tim Ream are your last three, or, or Austin Trusty. Oh yeah, or Mark McKenzie. There's four or five options there for your fifth center back. Yeah, when you put it that way, for a fifth center back, Tim Ream has a good case for himself. I would say this. Um, I would have to think. I think Sands is a good option, too, because he can also play the six if an emergency is needed. I also think yeah. he might be a better six in a cost. So that's another thing yeah. to say. Uh, so I, I would probably go with James Sands. Uh, I would probably go with James Sands as of now. We'll see. if he, We'll also see how he does in the Champions League. But those would be my five. Yeah, I think the four I agree with you with, I think Sam's or Sands or Ream would be my fifth option. Again, depends on how we're going to play. But I would go back three if I was the coach of the U.S. almost for every game. I'd play a 3-5-2. So that's my personal opinion. With that, Tim Ream is an option. I might not start him um, in every game, but as a third center back option off the bench, I'd be fine with Tim Ream. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's not the end. I mean, if he brings Tim Ream... It's not the end of the world for me. There's better. There's I'd be worse. fine if he brings him in September and has a look at him again, right? I mean, Japan and Saudi Arabia are not CONCACAF opponents. They're still World Cup teams. Saudi Arabia might not be that far off from CONCACAF, to be honest. They're probably the same level. Yeah, that's more of a same level. But Japan's a very good team, very technical, very quick. They have a lot of players playing at a high level. So if we bring him in September and Greg gets another look at him, okay, you know, maybe he's cleaned up certain issues. Maybe he can work on his positioning in such a way that he doesn't get burned. Maybe there's covering options. I don't know. I, I'd be fine with seeing it one more time. But everything I've seen about Tim Ream so far says no. What about Joe Scally? So after the Uruguay friendly, which, I mean, even me and you, we criticized his performance because it wasn't good against Uruguay. Uh, definitely didn't call for him not to be in the national team ever again. But we've seen many people after that game, not many people, one pe- one person specifically, and then a few agree uh, not one, it was actually quite a few people, but not many, say that Joe Scali is a 2026 player and not a 2022. I disagree with that. Uh, As do I. So want to start off with Joe Scali? Yeah, I think with any position on the field, you have to look at, there's no such thing as good enough or bad enough for the national team, if we're being honest. The only thing that matters is who's your best options, Right. And if you look at our options right now, we have Serginho Dest as the starter, who's not playing for Barcelona. We'll talk about him in a second. Yeah. Okay. And then we have DeAndre Yedlin and Reggie Cannon, neither of whom are very good, in my opinion. Cannon's not even playing as a right back for his club, by the way. Right. He's playing as a center back. Um, And both, not only Yedlin's form this whole year with Inter-Miami, but also his form this summer when we faced good opponents like Uruguay or, or Morocco had me very concerned. His lack of technical ability is poor. His uh, positioning is poor. His, he's getting isolated and beat way too easily, even in MLS, right? I've seen multiple sequences where he just gets beat. It doesn't always lead to a goal. But so, you know, he doesn't really get called out for it in MLS. I don't know how many people actually watch Inter-Miami. But if those are our options, I think Joe Scally should be the option behind Serginho Dest. The difference between Joe Scally is that he's not a bombing up the field type of fullback. He isn't, he doesn't have the technical ability to go charging up the field and putting in crosses, beating players on the dribble. None of our guys do except for Serginho Dest, to be honest, but Yedlin will get very high and still has the speed to recover. Joe Scally is more of a stay at home fullback, right? 
do a defensive job, make the simple pass into midfield, don't get too high up the field. If he does that, that's playing to his strengths. The issue, again, is that within Greg's system, he wants his fullbacks to get very high up the field and put crosses in. So I'm concerned that that might rule Joe Scally out, even though I think he has value still. Yeah, he's also not the best in tight spaces, right? He's not the most technical player. He plays it safe. He's efficient on it. The passing could be better for Joe Scally for sure. But defensively, he gets the job done, right? Many in multiple occasions, playing the Bundesliga, doing just fine. It's so last season was the first one. So people could have said it was just an anomaly that one season. But he's doing it again this year. He's a starter. Played and against Bayern. It's not like they had they didn't have other options, so they're forced to stick with him, right? Also, he's undefeated against Bayern. Played them four played him four times, never lost to Bayern. Yeah. Which which is one heck of an accomplishment in the Bundesliga to not lose to Bayern four games. I I do think he's a player that's very much in contention for the 2022 World Cup to be a backup option on the right back. Uh, we'll talk about Des very soon. What's up with him? I don't understand him. We're going to go through that. And Scali is also an option that, if needed, can play on the left back. It's not ideal, not what we no. want, but it's an option in an emergency if you need it. But yeah, that's just one thing I wanted to clear out that Joe Scali's been playing well for Gladbach and some people thought he wasn't for now, but I still think he's very much in contention. I actually do think Greg will bring him in in September. I think he will. Yeah, and to be honest, if he comes in in September and has the same performance against Japan or Saudi Arabia as he did against Uruguay, I'd be fine with leaving him at home for Qatar because ultimately you play on the field. You have to earn it for the US. You can argue whatever you want about Greg's system and that's fine. But ultimately, Greg is who we have going into the World Cup. So if you can't perform in Greg's system, then I'd be fine. But I think he deserves another shot in September. And then after that, we kind of reevaluate, you know? Mm -hmm. And then now we get to Serginho Dest, which I don't know where to start, man. Um, Barcelona wants him out. Fabrizio Romano today in the morning confirmed mm -hmm. it again. Barcelona and Xavi don't want him there. But he said Dest doesn't want to leave. And then we heard reports that Des said that he would come back like a beast. And then he posted a picture on Instagram that looked like he was on the basement of Camp Nou with yeah. four dumbbells, three cones, and a ball. I don't know what he – it was like a concrete floor. I don't know what he was training soccer with four dumbbells, three cones, and a ball. Um, he posted that on Instagram if he stays in Barcelona, and the, by the way, this podcast comes out on Tuesday, the transfer window for some countries closes on Wednesday and England closes on Thursday. If he stays in Barcelona, he might come into the World Cup with zero minutes since April, I think. Mm. Well, since, yeah, he didn't play in June, did he? No, he was injured. Yeah. So since April, no minutes. Our best right back. Honestly, that's very worrying. Somebody needs to grab him by the shoulders shake him a little bit and say, Serginho, get out on loan, honestly. I mean, I don't know. Would they loan him out because of their money situation? They're looking for a sale, right? They wanted to sell, but I heard also that I don't know what's true anymore, right? Um, Fabrizio Romano is probably the only reliable source because Barcelona's sources are just a mess. But it seemed like at one point there was interest like a month ago, and Dest said he wanted to stay. Yeah. He rejected. Okay, let's so. start off though by admitting that Barcelona are treating their players horribly this summer, oh, right? Yeah. Yeah. They're pushing people out. They forced, you know, Frankie de Jong, right, to take a pay cut. I think he just accepted he it. He I think he agreed to it. Yeah. He agreed to a pay cut. They're basically saying we don't have the money to bring in all these players and pay the ones that we have, but we're going to bring in all these players anyway. And then we're going to force out the ones we have and say either take a pay cut or get out. We don't like you. It's, it's awful. So this is not all on Serginho Dest. Barcelona are treating their players terribly, and it's a huge black mark on a club whose motto is more than a club. Well, clearly you're not. If you're all about the Barcelona identity... Well, they are. About, they're a bank. Yeah, exactly. exactly. That's <laughs> what it they, means print, now. they go to the Federal Reserve in, in Catalonia right there, and they just print money up. They're more than a club. They're a freaking bank at this point. Yeah. But so it's not all on Sergio Des, but Sergio Des needs to evaluate his situation with the World Cup coming up and go. I know it was a lifelong dream to play for Barcelona, which he has done, right? He is, you know, he became a Barcelona player. He's played many games for them in Champions League and La Liga. But now I think he has to be smart because otherwise this could really affect him going into Qatar, right? And I know there are some people saying, oh, Sergio Des 
shouldn't play for the national team if he's not playing for Barcelona. I disagree with that. He might lack some game sharpness, but overall, for me, he's still our best right back. And you actually had a suggestion yesterday that if they don't play him, that Greg should call him into that MLS camp that he's going to have after the regular season ends. He'll be yeah. there with Morris and Rodan, probably. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's better than training in the basement of Camp Nou. <laughs> yeah, you know what I was worried about a little bit with that MLS camp? If you look at the MLS table, it does seem like most of our guys are going to make the playoffs, okay? Right now, it looks like Seattle's not making the playoffs, okay? it's Obviously, it's not over. There's still six more games. Anything can happen. But right now, who's out of the playoffs, okay, that are U.S. men's national team players? On the Eastern Conference, I mean, not really anybody. Vasquez Vasquez for Cincinnati, but they're eighth. They could still make the playoffs. They're only one point behind Columbus. Mm -hmm. So that they could still make the playoffs. Well, but Pete, if they don't make the playoffs, there is also a chance Inter-Miami won't make the playoffs because Columbus has less of a game. So Yedlin, Vasquez are at risk. Okay, so let's say Vasquez and Yedlin are at risk on the Eastern Conference. On the Western side, it's really only Vancouver, uh, I'm sorry, Seattle, because it's good. It's Houston in 14th, nobody there. San Jose in 13th, nobody there, although he might call up Cade Cowell and Jeremy Abobase just to make up numbers. And Jackson Yule. Huh? And Jackson Yule. Oh, and Jackson Yule. <laughs> yeah, so that's three. Colorado's there, but there's nobody really on Colorado. Zardes. 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 So that's four. Seattle, Rodan, and Morris, right? So that's six. Will Rodan be back uh, in October from the I mean, yeah, he should be back by the end of September. They said six weeks. Okay. So, I mean, October, he could technically be back or he could be rehabbing in camp with Greg. Who knows? Um, Maybe Eric Williamson from Portland. Eric Williamson on Portland. They're eighth right now. They could still make it. If LA Galaxy don't make it, there's not really anybody in the Galaxy. So... It's like, who's he going to have in camp? Like six guys? What are you going to do? Just rondos? Like, I don't understand. Who's who's going to be in camp with the, this, you know, with Greg? Maybe Brooks Lennon from Atlanta? Caleb Wiley from Atlanta? Because be. they might not make. Atlanta's in 11th. I don't think they're making playoffs. No. Right? They have 33 points. They're only but three points behind Columbus. But I don't know. They also have a game in hand on Columbus. So I don't know. Maybe Michael Bradley? <laughs> From Toronto, Josie from Puebla in the Josie game. from Puebla, and then you get Sergio Destin. Uh, if he's not playing, I don't know. It might be ten players max. So I don't know what he's going to really do with a camp like that um, to keep these guys fit. But back to Sergio Dest. At least, I mean, he'll be training with the Barcelona first team, right? He's still training with them, I'm assuming. I don't know, man. He posted a picture on the the freaking dungeon of Camp Nou right there. So. Yeah, but that was on game day. You know what I mean? He might just be like. <laughs> No, 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 it wasn't. No, it wasn't. It was wasn't the, it yesterday morning? It was, it was, no, I posted it yesterday, but the, the story was the day before. Yeah, so it's possible. Did Barcelona play at home today? This week? They played, I believe they played on, yeah, they played on Sunday. He posted that on Saturday. So, yeah, it's a tough situation with Jorginho. I would just go anywhere for six months on loan right now, honestly, because he needs to play. But again, we don't know if Barcelona is open to a loan unless it's a loan is, with an obligation. They should both to buy. be open to this because also Barcelona is just losing his value. If they loan him out and he plays well somewhere, they can yeah. sell him for 20, 30 million. Right now, no one wants to pay that because they don't know what they're going to get. Yeah. Um, so- yeah. I mean, Manchester United was an option. Dortmund was, was talked about as an option. I think he could play some minutes at both of those clubs, even if he doesn't start every game. Yeah, as long as there's a coach willing to at least put him on the bench. Xavi doesn't even want to put him on the bench. Yeah, I mean, Ten Hag knows him from his Ajax days. Yeah, I mean, yeah. We'll see, Sergio Des. Uh, the, the transfer window will close this week, so next week we'll have the confirmation. But if he doesn't leave, it is very worrisome for the World Cup, even though I also think he should be there regardless, and he's our best yeah. right back. Uh, last but not least, this is not really a discussion. It's just a quick update. Uh, we got the confirmation today. I think Paul Tenorio uh, broke the news that Christian Pulisic will stay in Chelsea, uh, at least for the foreseeable future, right? At least for the next six months or to the World Cup. And he also confirmed that Pulisic was not happy about it, that he wanted to leave. Yeah. Uh, I don't, we talked about this so much. Is there anything you want to add there? I don't, I mean, he'll just play. this. Now that it's confirmed he has to stay, he has two options. Christian Pulisic can pout about it and be unhappy and not be a good contributor to the team, but it will only make him look worse, 
right? This is right now, if you're being forced to stay and you're not going to start most games, you're just going to get minutes off the bench, then he has to get his head down and he has to try his darndest to get on the field. And when he's on the field to have an impact because pouting for six months is not going to help you. If anything, it's going to make you less of a candidate for a transfer down the line, right? Because people are going to be like, oh, but also his attitude sucks. So it's not, I don't want to blame Pulisic here. It's not his fault. Tuchel Ball is a very hard system to be successful in, and he probably is being treated a little unfairly right now. But this, Clint Dempsey had to do this at Fulham. Do you know how many times he was performing for Fulham and a new coach would come in and then bench him or even send him to the reserves? And he literally had to claw his way back into the first team, Texas style, and be like, no, I belong. I can play. Fuck you. Watch me. You know, and he did that many times. And that's one of the things. His mentality is what made Clint Dempsey so great. Pulisic is ahead of Dempsey in terms of talent. But mentality-wise now, he has two choices. He can pout and sulk and not have an impact for Chelsea and turn the entire club against him. Or he can do his talking on the field. And he can be like, this is where I have value. Those are my thoughts, at least. He has to now perform for Chelsea. Also, he needs to put in put in, the, in some context here. He should be very happy and putting in 100%. He gets paid 150000 a week to play soccer, live in London, and he's going to play a World Cup for the for his country. So he should be extremely motivated and happy right now. Uh, obviously, the loan would have been the ideal situation. It didn't happen. Move on, grow up, and put in the effort. And I believe he will. I think he will. Yeah, I think he will too. I think he knows that he's also not young anymore. He's 24 next month. Right. So he's been around for a while. He's an experienced player. And Greg Berhalter said something interesting about Pulisic in an interview this summer. He said Pulisic's mentality has grown a lot. He's up for any challenge now. He doesn't, he's not scared of the pressure. He's not scared of tough challenges. And I hope he's right. And I hope Pulisic proves Tuchel wrong. I mean, he's not going to get many minutes to do it. But when he does get minutes, he's going to have to prove it on the field. Otherwise, everyone will say, oh, well, then Tuchel was right to bench him. Because look, even when he comes on the field, he offers nothing. Now, Pete, before we move on, I just want to say that Yunus Musa, he scored a rocket of a goal today that yeah, got he did. allowed. Uh, that goal reminded me of like uh, Essien that played for Chelsea. Just the way yes. he hit the ball just looked like Michael Essien just hitting the ball. Unfortunately, didn't count, but what a freaking rocket. But Pete, before we move on to the fun part of the video, which is the top five best players of all time, a quick word from our sponsor of this podcast, DraftKings Sportsbook. The wait is over and the new football season is about to begin. Get ready for NFL Week 1 with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. To celebrate the return of football, or well, football, American football, DraftKings is giving new customers an offer they can't miss. Bet just $5 on any football game and get $200 in free bets instantly. So download DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use the promo code TBPN, that is in TBPN, to get $200 in free bets instantly when you place a $5 bet on any football game. Thank you very much, DraftKings, for sponsoring this podcast. And once again, use the code TBPN. And Pete, I believe you have a review to read. Yes, I do have a review, Tack. Let me just pull it up here. And by the way, thanks to everybody who... um, you know, has given us good ratings and, and good reviews. I really do appreciate it. Uh, we have, this is a very interesting one. It's just short, excellent podcast by HL Woodcock. Interesting. These okay. guys are absolutely great for the short videos on YouTube. So happy. They are also doing a longer form podcast. Excellent stuff. Thank you. We really appreciate all the, you know, reviews you guys have left for us on, on Apple and iTunes. Pete, uh, how about this? When we hit maybe 300 reviews on Apple Podcasts, because I mean, it's the one that we can count there, or maybe Spotify, one of them, we hit 300 reviews. We'll do it twice a week. Yeah. If you guys want more, go, uh, 300 v- reviews might be a long time coming. We have 224 ratings on Apple Podcasts. I, I don't know how many reviews. It might be less than 50 right now. But yeah, but two, two podcasts right now at the time we have, it's almost impossible. So I'm trying to put an impossible goal. Yeah. Um, the thing, this is what's crazy though. I, I Completely off topic before we go to the top five players. On the first U.S. Men's National Team Abroad episode, because I wanted like the algorithm to pump it up and we get more U.S. soccer fans with that episode. And then I said I wanted 1,000 likes on the video to help out. And I challenged everyone. And I thought 1,000 was a lot. I was like, oh, there's no way we can go... It got 2,000. 
So right now we're challenging you all to hit 300 reviews. 300 <laughs> reviews app. would be great. Yeah, we'll try to do it. Uh, it'll be cool. But why don't we get to the funnest part of this video? Pete, yes. we're at a bar. We're at a bar right now, me and you. Cool. And we had way what too many drinking? beers. We had, uh, uh, beer. We're just drinking beer here. There's soccer games on. Our girlfriends left us alone. And, you know, we're too bad for like. They went to the bathroom, and <laughs> when they came back, we're arguing very badly. They think we're even fighting, but we're not yeah. fighting. We are talking about who are the greatest players of all time. And, Ooh. again, it's one of those pointless discussions that there's no right answer. Um, it's uh, Well, there's one right answer. It's Breck Shea, but we're skipping him <laughs> for this video. And Mix Discarood. Mix, Mix Discarood is the new Breck Shea. <laughs> yeah, so it's it's Mix Discarood and Breck Shea. But then we excluded them because they're too much. And then you get into that whole argument of the differences of eras, of how the game changed and all that. We're not even going to get – let's put that all aside. We had too many beers. We had too many yeah. beers. We don't care about that. Five. We just want to, all we care about is who are the best players. I'm going to do top five. So right. why don't we Should start, we start with, with one or five? We'll start with five. Let's start. Yeah, with five. start with five uh, for sure. One question: Do we want to do it like this? You go first on one, then I go first on the other. Yeah, let's go back and forth. Okay, who is your fifth? My fifth is the Northern Irishman George Best. Oh, that guy no. could do things drunk with a ball that I've never seen any other player do. Now this was a long time ago. And he drank too much, and that shortened his career, and eventually he died of kidney failure. Rest in peace. But I still think that in terms of raw talent, he's top five in the world. So I'm going George Best for my number five. You should have gone with Gahincha there, too, because he would smoke at halftime. <laughs> yeah, Gahincha was close. He's like <laughs> probably six or seven for me. Uh, are we going to have maybe the, the player that played on cocaine? Maradona, he might yeah. be in my top five. You'll have to find out. Yeah, we'll find out soon. But my five, my fifth, right here. Uh, good, good. I would, I wouldn't. I'm going to say right away. George Best is not on my list. You know, um, I'm not a big fan of UK players in general. Uh, yeah, he was very different. But keep going. Yeah, I'm going to go with Ronaldo for my fifth one, but not the Cristiano, the Brazilian mm. Ronaldo, right? Ah, okay. Debatably, the second biggest goal scorer of all time in World Cups just behind Miroslav Klose. Definitely a better player than Klose. I think that's not even arguing. Yeah. Uh, by the age that he was 23 when he blew his knee and tore his tendon, the patella tendon, he had a higher goal per game average than goal assist, goal contribution per game average than, than Messi and Ronaldo, Cristiano. And he was already in an era where soccer was a bit more developed than in the 80s, 70s which was impressive. And you talk to people. I saw him the first time I really saw him was 2002 in the World Cup. And it blew my mind that a player coming back from two year, a two-year injury, he was out for two years, yeah. would come back to a World Cup, be the top scorer and lead Brazil to the trophy. And then he did great things for Manchester, for Real Madrid, a hat trick against Manchester United. But before that, you talk to everyone. Um, and it's crazy because I'm young, so I didn't see him in the 90s. But you talk to Brazilians and you talk even to non-Brazilians and everyone's like, wow, he was actually, there's a reason he was called the phenomenon, right? It was like something different. You couldn't knock him out, put him in front of the goal, he would score. He was the best player of the world for two, three seasons when he was like 20. Um, so I'm going to go for Ronaldo phenomenon at fifth. And I know the way I'm talking about it, it almost sounds like I'm putting him one. But no, but he's my fifth best player of all time. And probably injuries played a role for that, right? Uh Probably injured. And he did win two World Cups. One, he didn't play much. It was in 1994 here in the United States. And 2002, he was a beast in that World Cup. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely a great player. All right. You ready for number four? Mine or do I go first or you go first? You go first on number four. Okay. My four is not a South American and probably the only non South American on my list. We'll find out. Wow. Soon. It's Johan Cruyff. Mm. Uh, the to me, the best Dutch player of all time right away. Mm -hmm. uh, to me, the best European player of all time, in my opinion. Uh, re helped revolutionize the game with Ajax, total football, uh, not just as a player, but also as a coach. And a very much underappreciated player that probably should have had a World Cup in 1974. And he probably would have won it in 1978 if he was if he was willing to go to the World Cup in Argentina, that he didn't go for whatever reason, there's many different debates on that. If it was a political statement, whatever it was, he didn't go. 
and the Dutch lost to Argentina in the final. They rigged it for Argentina the entire World Cup. Uh, so Johan Cruyff was a player that should have won a World Cup, helped, re helped revolutionize the game, legend for Ajax, legend in Europe, legend for Barcelona, and then later on, all his contributions on the the tactical part of the game. Yeah, but we're talking about the greatest player, not the greatest coach. Okay, but he was a, he was one of the best players in the 70s. And when you talk about players like Pele and many others, when they talk about Johan Cruyff, they speak of him very highly, even Franz Beckenbauer. Unfortunately, in my list, they're mostly forwards. I even wanted to give like a shout-out to Franz Beckenbauer. Um, but yeah, I'm not mentioning him. I mentioned Johan Cruyff as my fourth. Okay, that's fair. My fourth is also a non-South American um, and his name is Ronaldo, but he is not the Ronaldo you are speaking of. He Cristiano. is Cristiano Ronaldo, fourth best player of all time. For me, the fact that he did it at different clubs, right? Manchester United winning the Champions League with them. Uh, and then again in, in Real Madrid multiple times, scoring you know multiple Ballon d'Ors, scoring at a ridiculous rate. The thing about Ronaldo is I think he was always going to be an elite, even world-class player. But he put so much hard work into being absolutely the best player he could be. His discipline, his focus, his drive to be the absolute best in the world and to have to exist in an era, you know, next to Lionel Messi, it's tough. It's very tough to do, but he did it. And so I have him as my fourth best player of all time. How much did Eder play a role in that? Who? Eder. Who's Eder? The guy that scored the goal in the Euro final. <laughs> Oh, that. No, I'm not. I mean, obviously, he's also the greatest. He also, I think, is the almost the top scorer of all internationals. I think there's one guy ahead of him now. He's an Iranian guy. Um, uh, wasn't it an Indian guy? Huh? It was an Indian guy. Sunil, Sunil, um, Sunil Chetri. Yeah, he was the record holder ahead of Messi and Ronaldo. But I think Ronaldo surpassed him internationally. Yeah, internationally, I'm pretty sure Ronaldo is currently second. Yeah, there's there's some debates in Portugal. Like, there's old school Portuguese fans that will put Eusebio um, as the number one. Uh, some will put Ronaldo. Eusebio's a Benfica legend. It's it's a tough one. I mean, okay, yeah. let me just say this real quick. Cristiano Ronaldo holds the world record for international goals, having taken his tally to 117 with his first Portugal goals of 2022. There's one player that could have surpassed him if he took his career seriously. That would be Neymar. Yeah, I mean, Neymar's not finished. No, but I mean, he he had all these issues throughout his career. He has like 74 international goals. Uh, if Neymar took care of himself, he could break that record uh, for Brazil, uh, for sure, but he's not going to break Ronaldo's record. No, it's he currently has 117, according to Wikipedia. Hmm. So I'm not sure why they said 122, but... He is number one in the world for international goals. And the two guys behind him are an Iranian guy, Ali Daye with 109 and Mukhtar Dahari from Malaysia with 89. Very different situations, though. Playing yeah. in AFC, probably played for 20 years because they you know, could play at that level. So it's very different. Messi is currently fourth. He's the fourth holder together with... Uh, he's above Frank Pushkas, who has 89. Messi has uh, 80, uh, sorry, 84, and then Messi has 86. Mm-hmm. So then you have your four, uh, Cristiano. Who's your third? My third is a South American, um, the cocaine man himself, <laughs> Diego, Diego Maradona. Uh, for me, a top three player in the world, won the World Cup with Argentina. Um, didn't always live up to you know what he could have been because of his problems off the field. You'll notice a theme here with some of these guys. You know, George Best is another one. But, man, that guy had so much raw talent. He could dribble through an entire team, as he did pretty much against England at the World Cup in 86. Um, such a talented, talented, but tortured player. You know, like, definitely had mental health issues. Rest in peace, Diego Maradona. I've never enjoyed watching a player as much as I enjoyed watching him. Diego. Diego Maradona. So, my number three. And I think right now in the top three, we might be similar for the most part. It's not Diego Maradona. It's going to be Lionel Messi. Um, mm. And it, right now in the top three, it kind of becomes to me the three players of all time, which uh, they're all on the same level at this point. These top three right here. I don't think even there's been many players that have done amazing things. But I don't think any players have any reached the level of Lionel Messi and the other two players I'll mention soon. 
have Messi in third. Uh, and in Argentina, it's very debatable of who people think was best when you talk to people from Argentina. There's a lot of people that go for Messi. There's a lot of people that go for Diego, Maradona. Maradona, obviously, is a god almost in Argentina, right? For but let me hear me out. How much of that is framed by he hasn't won a World Cup? Oh, a lot, a lot. Right. Uh, but but again, it also plays a role that the way people blame Messi is Messi, you have a better team. Maradona had a very average team that he, you know, he made Argentina punch above their weight. I think that's the best way to see it. There weren't yeah, really he was special for sure. Yeah, and and he was probably playing on crack, and that might have yeah. helped him in one way, shape, or form. But regardless, my number three is Lionel Messi. So I'm just gonna go to my two right away. My number two is Diego Maradona. Um, okay, we already talked about it. Uh, unfortunately, he didn't win the 1978 World Cup with Argentina because he wasn't called in. He was 17, wasn't called in. But then he won it in 1986. 86, yeah, 86. that was the hand of God. Yeah, in Mexico. In Mexico. Mexico. Uh, Diego Maradona led Argentina to win the World Cup. Also a Napoli legend. Played for Barcelona. Boca Juniors legend. Uh, Who's your number two? My number two is a man you will be familiar with. Pele. Hmm. Pele. Only, I believe, the only player to win three World Cups. Is that right? 58, 60, Mm. no, 70, 58, and 62. Let me see if I got that right. I, I think that's correct. Let me double check. This is the well, he, he won 58, 62, and 70. 1966, he didn't win it. Yeah, 66 uh, was England. Yeah, yeah. because three World Cups. And he played in five, right? He played four. I think he played. No, 70 he was played the 54. Last no, no, 58 was his first one. He was 17. That's right. 58, 62, 66, and 70. Yeah, yeah. So four World Cups, over a 1,000 goals for Santos. There's a lot of question marks about that. I think for me, the one thing with Pele is that he never really tested himself in Europe. Um, and he never Brazil did it was better at the level. time. I mean, that is debatable. That is what people say. There's some debate about whether or not that's true. That might, You might be right. You might be right. I think there's According, a lot of factors that play in The thing in is, Santos used to do Euro tours a lot, being invited, right? And Because Santos was a good chunk of the Brazilian national team. Play there, yeah. I believe GG played there too, and they would whoop the European teams. Uh, yeah, but maybe they were just so good that doesn't mean all of Brazil was good. No, no, no. Well, they lost in Brazil a few times too, they weren't clearly winning all the time. There were many other teams competing with them. Uh, the thing is, the Brazil national team won four out of three World Cups in that era, four out of three, and every single Brazilian player played in Brazil, every single player. So for that, for them to be that good, the league had to have a very competitive level. Like nowadays, if Brazil sends their domestic players to the World Cup, they might not get out of the group stage. Yeah. So yeah. it had to be competitive at the time to the very least. Yeah, he never went to Europe because at the time, the money wasn't inflated enough in the European market that he just TV made more changed money. everything for Europe. TV. Exactly. So I think that I do think that the, 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 his stats are inflated. The 1,000 goals. I don't buy that. Crap. A lot of them are in friendlies too. That's yeah, the they did the calculation. Realistically, I think he has like 700 goals, which is still impressive. Is still, but, yeah. but Messi and Ronaldo have those numbers too. Or more uh, even. Or more. So regardless, it's it's what we talked about. Playing South America, Pele played in the era also that there was a part where there was no cards. So he just get the living crap beat out of him. Yeah. And when you yeah. – you, Talk about, like, I believe in the 1970 World Cup. I think he scored two goals in the final. Um, and I think it was Italy in the final, if I'm not mistaken. And the Italians were even saying we couldn't really do anything about it. The guy could do everything, had it. Uh, so my, my number two, like I said, is Maradona. Your number two is Pele. And do you want me to give you my number one? I think I gave you my number one right now. Your number one is? Pele. Uh, and Ronald, yeah. and I'm just going to quote one guy right here because this is Ronald Reagan. This is literally what Ronald Reagan said because Pele, when he came to the United States, uh, he actually put 90,000 people in the stadium. It was kind of crazy when he played for the Cosmo. And Ronald Reagan said this and quoting him, he said, my name is Ronald Reagan. I am the president of the United States of America. But you, I don't need to introduce yourself because everyone knows Pele. That's how big yeah. Pele was back in the 70s, right? Yeah. Uh, obviously, time went on and and... He had some terrible predictions for World Cups and lost all credibility. 
<laughs> he's done some wild, said some wild things. Did you ever hear that? That he's like the curse. Like every World Cup, whoever Pele says is gonna win, yeah, is done. Like uh, he picked them Colombia in 1994. They lost in the group stage, and they were very good. Yeah. I remember in 02, he picked England to win the yes. World Cup, and then Brazil knocked them out. I remember that. He picked Brazil in 06, and then they lost to oh France. My God. <laughs> so moral of the story, don't listen to Pele. Just enjoy watching him. You know, if yeah. you can go find, and there are plenty of clips of Pele playing on YouTube. Yeah. What or, a player. Or watch that movie. What's the name of that movie? Pele, Stallone is in it. Um, Escape to Glory. Uh, Something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's such a great movie with Stallone <laughs> that they're prisoners. And they have I never saw it, but it sounds wild. Yeah. Who's your best of all time? My best is Lionel Messi. Messi. I think to be who he has been in an era like today, where the tactics are more advanced, players are more in shape um, than ever, and to be so good for so long. Um, and he's just, again, like Maradona, like Pele, he's a magician. For much of his career, he was almost unstoppable. You know, multiple Champions League win winners with Barcelona. Obviously, don't even need to talk about La Liga. He did finally win Copa America, which I think has softened some of the Argentine hate. And if he wins a World Cup this year, which is, is really his last World Cup, if he wins this World Cup, he will be remembered, I think, is greater than Maradona by Argentines. I yeah. think they'll finally forgive him. <laughs> well, I think if he wins a World Cup... Uh, most rational Brazilian fans, right, will also go on and say, okay, maybe this guy deserves the the recognition of best of all time. Some obviously there's always gonna be those Brazilians, the old school ones. Like I go talk yeah. to my dad, for example, he's like, No, Pele has three World Cups, Messi has one, Pele's better. I was like, but dad, different eras. Uh you winning yeah. a World Cup, you depend upon a team, right? Um, like you go to World Cups and I don't know, like Olivier Giroud has a World Cup. Erlen Haaland right. is never going to have one. Does that mean Giroud's better than Haaland? No. No. So, so right. Lewandowski. So different eras. Obviously, not taking away the best, like Pele's three World Cups, because I mean he was the best player for Brazil. Um, yeah. Maybe the first one, Gahinsha, was there too. It's debatable. But yeah, these are the best players of all time, in our opinion. Here, uh, it's kind of crazy how the top three from both of us, and I think most people are South Americans. It's Brazilians and Argentines. Uh, yeah. One thing: is there one player that you want to give a shout out? oh man I, sh I want to give Ronaldo a shout out I mean I remember Ronaldo when he went to 2002 I watched him in 98 he also helped Brazil get to that final and then he had that terrible um, epileptic attack epileptic fit yeah. that really ruined it for Brazil he could have won two World Cups in a row very easily I Three. think if he wasn't Three. he was in 94 that's true he didn't play too much in 94 but he was there in the roster yeah um, yeah, I mean, that would have sealed his. He would be up there with Pele. If, the, if he had not gotten that epileptic fit, I 100% believe Brazil would have won that game. Mm -hmm. I think that Brazil was catastrophically affected by that, and they just showed up to the game listless. You know, their best player having something like that the night before a game, is, it plays on your mind. France was very good, don't get me wrong. But Brazil, that was it. I mean, they could have won three in a row, and Ronaldo has three World Cups to his to name. So definitely least. Ronaldo. To the very least, it wouldn't have been 3-0 France, um, to the very no. least. Um, no. But Zidane was having one of those days. The shout-out I want to give is another Ronaldo. Not Cristiano. I think you've spoken about him enough, too. It's Ronaldinho. Uh, mm. not the, I don't put him in the level of these guys in terms of accomplishment and everything, even though he did win a World Cup playing a big role in Champions League, Ballon d'Or. Uh, but he is up there and maybe one of the most talented players of all time that maybe just enjoyed partying a bit too much. <laughs> yes. Uh, but I, the reason I point out Ronaldinho was because that 2005-2006 season, if I'm not mistaken, uh, was probably the only season I've, the only season ever that I've watched almost every single Barcelona game. He was it unplayable. Was, he was, was unplayable. It was so fun to watch him. It was just yeah. like he was there to put on a show. Yes. And, and, and like seeing the Real Madrid fans applaud him. It's like, uh, so I don't like Barcelona very much, to be honest. I watched them because of Messi for a while. And when Neymar was there, I really enjoyed watching them. But that season from Ronaldinho, those two seasons with Barcelona, I watched almost every game. And it was so entertaining to watch him, along with him adding stats, right? Getting goals, assists, and winning a Champions League. But it was just a joy to watch. Maybe Ronaldinho would be number one or two if we went to most enjoyable players to watch of all time, which we can do that list one day. 
Yeah, maybe um, one day. He could be my number one for that, at least. So I want to give him a shout-out for that. Yeah, for sure. I mean, Ronaldinho was special. If he had kept that up, if he was a if he like if you imagine Ronaldinho's talent with Cristiano Ronaldo's discipline, can you imagine? He would probably be in our top three discussion easily. Easily. Oh, yeah. I yeah, think so. Because if he had that discipline and focus, he could still be playing now almost. Well, no, it, that's extreme. No. But he could have been playing a lot longer than he did. He would have played 2014 in Brazil. Yeah. With yeah. Neymar. And he probably was only 32 or 34 yeah. in 2014. And you so. combine him with Neymar in that team, it's a different team. Uh, you have two players at that level. The one thing with him too is he is a prison champion, right? He got went to prison in Paraguay. And he won. <laughs> they had a tournament in the prison, and he he won it. And people are like, no one could stop him. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, that's no surprise. I mean, let's be honest. You, just before we wrap it up here, could you imagine you're you're in prison in Paraguay for whatever reason? Hopefully, you right. never are. But you are in yeah. prison in Paraguay. Then you wake up one day, and next to you're like. Your bunkmate, your yeah, bunk you're, mate like, is you're like your bunkmate is Ronaldinho. I was like, nah, man, I don't know what they gave me, but I'm going back to sleep. Something's wrong. Then you wake up again. You're like, is that Ronaldo? No, no, you can't be. Or get this: the day that Ronaldinho becomes your bunkmate, you also have your parole hearing. So you're like, no, I'm going to fuck up this parole hearing to make sure I stay here another year, can I stay another <laughs> so I can month? hang out with Ronaldinho. <laughs> <laughs> He's always having a good time. He went to prison, won the tournament. He was he probably dancing in prison. He probably had the guards playing music. He like for me, he typified what the Brazilians call jogo bonito, yeah. right? That that, love, that joy, that love for the game, that the, the joy oh. of just playing for the sake of playing. I was talking to Fede, a friend of mine from Argentina, once, and he said that he's like, when someone asks me to describe Brazil, Fede, he's from Argentina. He's like, I just tell them to look up videos of Ronaldinho. He's the guy you imagine, right? Just like with his little hang loose hands. Juggling yeah. the ball, having a beer, dancing on some, but that's that's like the standard uh Brazilian that you think it's Ronaldinho. But it's just funny that he won the tournament in prison. And his brother, Assis, was actually a great player in Brazil, too. They both played, I think, in the prison. So it was a fantastic team. But I think the podcast is very long today. So hopefully yes. you guys enjoyed and whatever Ronaldinho you know, is, though. I hope he's somewhere on a beach drinking and dancing and having a good time around having, having a, a good time in his life. Pete, close it up. Thanks, guys, for listening. As always, as you see, sometimes, you know, we have both, uh, you know, American soccer, but also the global soccer. As as we get closer to the World Cup, we're going to shift the attention of the podcast a little more towards World Cup stuff. Both the U.S., obviously, but also other countries. Right? This is the greatest tournament in the world, in my opinion, that we get once every four years. So we're going to cover that quite heavily on the Tactical Yanks podcast. Do us a favor, apart from, you know, liking or sh- or or giving us a review send the podcast to your friend. Think of a friend who loves soccer or maybe someone who's just getting into soccer and, you know, send them a recommendation. Say, check out the Tactical Yanks podcast. I think you really enjoy it because that really helps us a lot um, to get new people to find the podcast. And if you enjoyed this podcast, check out the Tactical Manager uh, channel on YouTube or the 11 Yanks channel also on YouTube or both of them. Give us a like, give us a subscribe. We've got lots more to talk about. That's where most of our content is, honestly. So if you'd like more content, check us out there. Thanks for listening. Guys, have a great week. We'll talk to you soon.